1: Welcome to The Advocate, with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome, Nick Phillips here with another edition of The Advocate, I'm here in the studio at WHK with Kathy Lux. Kathy, thank you for joining us, as always.
2: I'm happy to. Hello, everybody.
1: We're gonna be talking today about Ukraine and Russia and what is going on, what has been going on, and what are the latest things happening. With us, we have our returning guest, Dr. Eli Call, Uh, a political science expert in Ukraine. Dr. Call. thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background and why you know so much about Ukraine and what's going on and the people you know who are still there.
3: Sure. Uh, When I was doing my dissertation uh, research back in 2018, I spent several trips, about 45 days each, going to and from Ukraine uh, to conduct interviews with government officials and academics and members of the security services who uh, helped provide data for my uh, research and, and inevitably let me finish my dissertation. Um, but in that process, I made several friends uh, with the, uh, mm-hmm. within the security services and these individuals are still in contact with me and uh, I've been, connected with them throughout the invasion since February of this year Uh, and I myself was just in Ukraine uh, last August so a few months before the invasion Um, so I keep in contact with people there and uh, my research is heavily focused on what's going on in Ukraine and Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union and so uh, I, I pay more attention than most people to this area of the world
1: Prior to the Russian invasion, when that happened, uh, were the Ukrainian people seriously expecting Russia to invade?
3: They were because of the assistance of the United States Intelligence Service in providing accurate, real-time intelligence on the the Russian troop movements. Um, But people tend to forget that this actually wasn't a new war. That started in February. This was actually a continuation of the war that started back in 2014 when Putin's forces uh, carried out a bloodless coup uh, slash referendum in the Crimean Peninsula, uh, seeing the Crimean Peninsula be annexed by the Russian Federation. Uh, And then they took more drastic measures in the two very populous regions of the eastern part of Ukraine called Donetsk and Lugansk. uh, combined together, the area is called Donbass, um, and so the, uh, the, that situation involved Putin's forces wearing uniforms with no insignia on them and basically conducting war as if they were separatists um, against Ukrainian defense forces, and that has been a long-standing and protracted conflict um, with many Ukrainians who want to move for join Russia living in those territories, um, but not
1: the majority. Well, let's explore that in a few minutes. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Eli Call, uh, who has a Ph.D. from Kent State University, my alma mater, and uh, on what is going on in Ukraine. We're going to take a short break. Uh, Kathy and I will be back with Dr. Call in a few moments, so don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here, and Kathy Lux. And Kathy Lux. And Kathy Lux on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back.
2: Stay with us. I can get no I can
0: get no
1: Welcome back. Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with Kathy Lux talking to Dr. Eli Call about Ukraine. Not the Ukraine. 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 And what's happening with the Russian invasion at the present time? Uh, well, well, Doctor Call, the Ukrainians surprised us with regard to the fact that when the Russians invaded, they they just didn't step aside and let the Russians take over everything. They fought back. They fought back hard, and that's why where we are today in the autumn of 2022, uh, it's not a decided conflict. It's still up in the air. Uh, How is that? playing out from the standpoint of what the Ukrainian friends you have think?
3: Um, so, several of them uh, have to be cautious with me when they're sending information because they are in the military right now. They Several of them uh, were former military and then they rejoined as soon as the invasion occurred in February. And they are telling me that the counteroffensive offensive uh, has been going very swimmingly for the Ukrainians. Uh, they've kind of caught the Russians off guard in their choice of location for counter Um And they've been taking, uh, taking back areas that were occupied by the Russian Federation troops uh, since early on in the conflict uh, pretty easily. Uh, they're not facing as staunch a resistance as even they were themselves were expecting. Uh, and so the, the amounts of territorial acquisition that Ukraine is gaining is uh, very high at the moment, and it's kind of throwing even more pressure on the Putin government to do something to save their uh, face, face. I guess in this kind of disastrous political fiasco that they've created.
2: So, so Eric, I'm I'm curious to know um, as you're you're receiving information in real time, how is that information matching up with what we're hearing? Through news reports and you know, uh, both from coming out of Russia and the and Ukraine,
3: uh, it's it's it corresponds fairly well. Um, a lot of the, the 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 mainstream news that I'm following, uh, at least there that I see reports, I read a lot of the Ukrainian news outlets that are in both English and Ukrainian. So there's one called Kromatsky, and then there's another one called Kiev Post, uh, and they also tend to be used by places like Reuters and BBC. And so all of the news that I'm seeing there kind of corresponds with what I'm being told. I just hear some more details that aren't necessarily included in the published news story. Um, and then there's some things that I hear that I don't want to share because I fear that it would aid the the Russian forces in knowing that information. And so I'm cautious on what I see what information i disseminate
2: that's understandable and i guess you know i'd li- i'd like to know your take on the the you know we're being told primarily that russia is doing this to reassemble the soviet union and that's their motivation does that seem right to you that that's the main motivation or is there more to it
3: so that is one of many uh kind of explanations for why Putin chose to act and why he chose to act when he did. Um, it's not necessarily that he is pursuing the revamp of the Soviet Union. In fact, it would be more akin to something like the aristocracy prior to the Soviet Union under the Tsar. is what I would compare what president Putin seems to be aiming for with his both domestic and foreign policy.
2: I see.
3: He, he, he's, Domestically, he's created a very vertical power structure uh, that kind of removes the checks and balances of government. and he did this using this what, what we call charismatic legitimacy, uh, where you know he portrays himself as a, a strong man capable of defending the nation um, and doing things that make him look appealing to the public. and then at the same time, takes away some of their rights by removing uh, access to media or removing the uh, or, or creating penalties for speaking in opposition of the government uh, and this gradually becomes more and more uh, authoritarian over time and then foreign policy wise he's created a new system of international organizations that's countered to the liberal world order set up by the united states and the other allies the western allies following world war ii Mm-hmm. And so he uh, and so his counter-organization, the CTSO, um, formed out of the Commonwealth of Independent States, and we've seen evidence that he's trying to utilize this organization similar to the way NATO uh, behaves in the West. And so I can understand the comparisons to the formation of a new Soviet Union, but it seems more like he's really trying to reform the, the, the feudal state of the czar, placing puppet governors in the former Soviet republics of Kazakhstan, Belarus, uh, and attempting to do the same thing in Ukraine.
1: I see. Uh, yeah, Dr. Kahl, the uh, things were coming that we're hearing from Russia, or actually hearing from Ukraine now, talks about uh, tremendous uh, losses by the Russians, high numbers of casualties and deaths and uh, we hear about uh, negative things with regard to equipment, maintenance, and running out of equipment, and ammunition. How much of this do you think is uh, basically just uh, false information being distributed by Ukrainians uh, in some sort, or how much of it is is really accurate?
3: Uh, I would say the bulk of it is probably fairly accurate. Um, Now, I think we have to take some embellishment into account um and so while the notion of russian military equipment being poor uh and function in malfunctioning uh seems kind of surprising to many of us it actually makes sense when you look at this inner circle of elites that putin has surrounded himself with who play an important role in the military industrial complex of the Russian Federation, who develop these weapons and these weapon systems. Uh, and in the process, steal uh, huge chunks of the amount of, of the state money that is being allocated towards these projects. Uh, and so when the CEO is taking uh, a huge amount of the money that was paid to the company for that program, uh, and putting it into a private bank account, uh, generally overseas somewhere, the uh, project itself ends up putting out less than standard quality equipment. And so it's one of the things that we've been seeing in Ukraine has been uh, weapon systems that were thought to be very highly capable, uh, actually not functioning uh, with that level of quality that people assumed they would. And at the same time, mm. there's a question of the, the soldiers themselves losing morale. Um, now many of the Russian troops who were sent to Ukraine did not know they were going there to fight a war. They thought they were going there as kind of peacekeepers between the Ukrainian defense forces and what they were led to believe were uh, uh, separatists fighting escalating. And so they thought they were, many of these soldiers thought legitimately that when they were uh, going to be they were going to be greeted by the people in the villages uh, uh, rather than uh, kind of attacked or sabotaged. And so several of the troops early on, uh, several of the battalions um, mm-hmm. uh, surrendered right away as soon as they started being engaged in combat because they were shocked, so surprised, and not prepared to fight. Uh, they They were kind of taken aback by that. And so that's caused a huge morale depletion within many of the Russian forces. Some of the Russian forces, however, have a uh, very staunch morale, and these are private military groups called the Wagner Group, uh, which is a mercenary organization set up by a friend of President Putin. Uh, and then uh, also the special forces of the Chechen Republic, uh, which is a... a Quasi-autonomous republic uh, quasi-autonomous province of the Russian Federation, um, and these individuals uh, are known for having kind of brutal guerrilla warfare.
1: Mm-hmm. In, in, in our last minute or so, uh, Putin's making nuclear threats to use tactical nuclear weapons. How seriously are the Ukrainians taking that threat?
3: Until Putin's forces are pulled back to a point where they wouldn't be affected. It's very unlikely to even consider that as a legitimate threat. Um, but at the same time, uh, an abundance of caution needs to be taken, uh, particularly because of the, the kind of corner that Putin himself has been backed into. And when a dictator gets backed into a corner, uh, the ability of, for them to think rationally tends to diminish quite a bit, and so it makes it more problematic Uh, in assessing whether or not he would make an irrational choice to to utilize a tactical nuclear weapon. And so it's important to note that tactical nuclear weapons are not these world-ending Armageddon weapons. That uh, We're
1: we're going to take a, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Dr. Call uh, and talking about Russia and Ukraine. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with Kathy Lux with another segment. Our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. With us, we have Dr. Eli Call, an expert on Ukraine. And we're talking about what the Russians are doing and how this thing is going to end. Dr. Call, thank you for joining us, Kathy. I, and so, yeah,
2: Dr. Call, So uh, we ended the last uh, segment before break. Uh, you're, you were explaining that Putin is backed into a corner, um, and so. Th- can can you kind of lead us to um, a brief explanation of why Putin is now threatening, though, uh, nuclear weapons? Is it what is it that he's asking United States or the rest of Europe to do? Back off with supporting Ukraine uh, in in funding and weapons. What what is it he's looking to accomplish with this?
3: So I'm not in the Uh, closed-door meetings between uh, the policymakers on either side. But my assessment would be that he's actually more signaling to his own people um, that he's still in control and that he's still powerful, and that Russia, despite uh, a looming defeat in Ukraine, is still a very powerful nation and a nuclear power. Um, I think that a lot of it is a safe tactic it is safe-saving, sorry, tactic that Putin is trying to utilize to uh, remind the world as well as his own population that Russia is a great power that is not to be taken lightly. But at the same time, uh, I think that it's also signaling that he's possibly impending on increasing the conventional weapons use in Ukraine, in particular in the the uh, Petrovsk or Dnipro or... Uh, the Parisian region in central, south-central Ukraine. Um, that's where uh, his forces seem to be concentrating a lot of their efforts since they've lost a lot of control of the Northeast.
1: Well, with uh, Putin's uh, call for 300,000 more troops to be drafted, causing quite a pushback, sort of an unprecedented pushback in Russia. Uh, in, in the last minute we have here, uh, what, what's your estimate? How long is this going to go on yet? What's the end game? In, in a minute, so, <laughs> tell us. Yeah.
3: The, the short answer is indefinitely. Um, sadly, because this is a continuation of the war that started in 2014, and it just an escalation of that war, it's actually likely to kind of ebb and flow in a similar pattern to, to that conflict, which actually just stalemates eventually. And so what I think we see, especially with the referendum in Donetsk and Lugansk, as well as the the troop surge that Putin is trying to establish is basically a prolongation of this conflict uh, to last for years.
1: Well, we'll keep an eye eye out watching for this. So, Dr. Carl, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you on again trying to get an update on this because this whole issue is rocking the global economy. So, Dr. Carl, thank you. Thank you. That was Dr. Eli Kahl, our expert on Ukraine, talking about what's going on. Kathy, okay. what do you think? I think it's interesting to hear uh, uh, his
2: information and his take on things, given that he's getting uh, it through very reliable sources, and it's not um, hyperbolic news media information that either Russia's putting out or, you know, it's not posturing
1: Well, no, it's not. So he has his finger on the pulse and talking to actual people there. And he speaks Ukrainian. from what I recall, so that he's able to speak to these people about what's going on. And just watching what's happening with Putin in Russia and watching the Russian people react to the situation is fascinating. Uh, We'll be interested in hearing an update with Dr. Call again after several months. We see what else is happening. So in, in any event, yes, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, safe, and healthy week. Take care, everybody. Thank you.
0: And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind